been a morning already a morning and a half and it's noon <laughs> mm-hmm. it's 10 30 on this side of the planet okay cool i mean it, it feels like it should be 10 30 to me this yeah. weekend has just flown by it has not there's not been enough time for me to to sleep we're at a wedding last weekend in atlantic city and then i went to a concert on Wednesday night because I bought the tickets for the concert before I knew about the wedding, which is why you should always send out save the dates months in advance. Mm-hmm. People. Well, how because was, how was bleachers? It was good. It was good. It was like outdoors. Um, <clears throat> you know, Does he do nice. all of his shows outdoors? <laughs> I don't think so. I actually just looked it up. When I'm going to be in Illinois, he is going to be... Um, Playing, and I was like, should I go see him again? But it's like in an indoor venue okay. that, you know, is like just general admission, which to me is like, I don't know. I feel like I would get Corona <laughs> doing that, even though I'm vaccinated. So yeah. I'm I like, just, I probably will sit that one out. I just remember at, he was at Fiddler's Green that one time you dragged me to a concert. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I honestly have seen bleachers so many times <laughs> in so many different states that I have forgotten. Like, I can't keep track of them all. I was trying to think of it when I was at the show. I was like, I've seen him in Illinois. I've uh, seen him in Wisconsin. I've seen him in multiple <laughs> mountain ranges. <laughs> um, I saw him at a ski resort somewhere. And I want to say like Winter Park. Um, where he's like literally playing in the mountains at a ski resort and then at the mishawaka amphitheater have you ever been there no it's really cool it's like red rocks but like cooler because it's like a smaller venue and it's like in the mountains so it's just like a much more intimate venue and there's like running water nearby (laughs) Um, and i've seen him in oklahoma so that's like what four states now boston so is bleachers a band or is bleachers jack antonoff calling himself bleachers i mean i guess technically it's a band but i've always been under the impression that it's like jack antonoff's project like i don't know how much writing input and whatnot like the other band members have i don't know interesting all right, well, Jack Antonoff is great, so if you guys have a chance to see Bleachers in concert, do it. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen him a million times, and it's always been fantastic, so <laughs> highly recommend. Yeah. But maybe not in, like, a crowded yeah, venue during yeah. a pandemic. Pick outdoor. Unless they're, like, checking vaccinations, or I don't know. Pick outdoor spaces, if possible, y'all. I think outdoor spaces are just more fun for concerts in general. Because when you're indoors, it gets all sweaty and gross. And on that note, um, 
Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Natalie. Welcome to Pink Collar, a true crime podcast focusing on crimes committed exclusively by women. Each week, we'll be bringing you a brand new case focusing on the psychology behind these crimes and advocating for early intervention. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For every review, we will donate a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crime. <laughs> I I just have a, a complaint that's somewhat related to my case. Okay. <laughs> um, I just have a complaint about alcohol in like okay. any like bars, venues, there is police irons, so you know, just view that as I don't know, like ambiance preparing mm-hmm. you for this episode of crime. <laughs> um but so like I just went to this wedding, right, in Atlantic City, and I just went to this concert, and it just became, I guess I don't go out, like, very much, but it's, like, I don't really drink for, just because it just, like, hurts my stomach, like, that's the only reason, like, I just get a stomach ache really fast, Mm -hmm. but I'm, like, I still want to be able to enjoy, like, a nice sparkling water, or, like, something, like, at the concert, they had canned water, which is cool, but it was just water flat yeah like i'm like couldn't you have like if i'm paying six dollars for water can it at least be like Lacroix or something i advocate for more non-alcoholic beverage options because sometimes people like to go out but don't like to drink that's all i have to say about that (laughs) she's pro temperance y'all pro temperance I mean, honestly, I feel like back in the day I might have been. Like, if I think about what side I would be on, it would probably be that one. I don't know. Sure, because you probably wouldn't have anything else to do with your time. So it's like, why not take up a random cause? Oh, Um, sure. Well, I'm not not anti people drinking alcohol. I think it's great. Like, if I didn't get such bad stomach aches, I would probably partake more in it. But um, no, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I could just, like, see myself back in the day being like, yeah. I don't know. I just want to belong to to something. (laughs) (laughs) She's Uh, a joiner. (laughs) You know, I just want to feel... I mean, like, I specialized in addictions counseling, so I feel like the version of that in the past that was, like, very much uneducated and, like, not successful in what it was trying to accomplish... Like, I believe alcohol counseling emerged from, like, temperance. Because, like, we have the same goals, right? To, like, help people, help, like, reduce dangerous alcohol consumption and abuse. I don't know. I don't know if that's a stretch, but... (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. So, um, she's a temperance person, and I am pro getting white girl wasted at all times yeah you were a a bootlegger in another life just kidding that's the word bootlegger i think i in all in all scenarios in history i'd be way too lazy to be involved (laughs) (laughs) we've asked um you know his my husband's grandparents um you know live in alabama and we're around you know around like the civil rights movement and stuff like that and like granny like you know were you involved like what'd you do she's like no i stayed inside (laughs) i'm like that is me (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i'm with you i'm with the cause and spirit but also um they're hitting people so no (laughs) (laughs) 
that's fair that is um, fair yeah cool so uh we are going to do a continuation um, i guess yeah the theme has more evolved into like alcohol yeah instead of like bootlegging okay but so alcohol related yeah 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 so she's doing the adjacent. opposite side of the coin i guess um from hatchet granny and so if you haven't listened to hatchet granny go listen to me tell you about carrie nation truthfully is like one of my favorite like top five of any case we've ever covered i was just like blown away i'm like considering being carrie nation for halloween i'm like can i buy a plastic hatchet anywhere and like where can i find a dress actually i was just at target yesterday and they had like very prairie woman-esque dresses on the clearance rack that i was like yeah I could go back and, and get one of those. I bought a sweater vest instead, but um, yeah. Anyway, so on on that note, should I dag on in? This is just random. I had like looked up bleachers on Wikipedia, and apparently they are heavily influenced by John Hughes High School music- movies, which makes me love them even more because I love all things John Hughes. Well, it's called bleachers, like a bleachers in a high school. I mean, I can't also, think of bleachers being central to any of John Hughes' movies, but sure. <laughs> I mean, but there are bleachers in high school yes. stadiums. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's like a, you know, bleachers are where the crowds the, come together. So it's well, like and a also metaphor. the cool kids, the cool kids are like, they what, hanging out under, under the, bleachers. the bleachers? I so get it's it. it's like multifaceted. They're the benders of the music space i guess i don't think anyone really hung out under our bleachers i think it was like our people dropped their <laughs> drop their phones now we like big bleachers yeah our bleachers like pushed into the wall so you, you would well, die if you tried like to hang under them what about like the football stadium i went to a magnet school did we have a oh. football <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sorry. sure we did, but also, why would I go over there? <laughs> okay, well, we weren't, like, Oklahoma, Texas yeah. football stadiums, but, like, there was football venues where we would uh, gather to see the men throw the footballs. No Friday um, night lights, I gotcha. Yes, okay. Cool. Anyway, getting back to, On to this. what we're actually talking about, what, we, what the people came here for. This episode's sponsored by Bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um... So on one evening in 1923, a man named George L. Reeton visited a speakeasy in Brookfield, Illinois. Brookfield, a suburb of Chicago, would later become home to Brookfield Zoo in 1934. Not at all relevant to the story. I just went to Brookfield Zoo as a kid a lot. Um, Brookfield Zoo actually, I forgot the gorilla's name, but it was like a like Harambe but a happy ending like when I was a kid I think it was in like 1996 a child like fell in the gorilla exhibit and then like a mom gorilla came and like picked up the kid and took it to the people who work there um so I always was like scarred for life when we went to Brookfield Zoo because I was so afraid to go in the monkey exhibit because I was like oh my god I'm gonna fall this gorilla is gonna pick me up save your life or the gorilla would save your life 
I guess, what but it was honor. really high up. I didn't want to fall, and I was scared. I was like, I was like holding on to like all the railings and like grasping my mom's legs. <laughs> anyway, so that's like the notable thing I guess about Brookfield Zoo. Um, but back to George. So he was just like out with his buddies. He was having a good night, and George had downed about five or six shots of moonshine. George had, you know did his shots, was ready to go home for the night. He only made it about 200 feet outside of the bar before collapsing. George was dead. Gasp. So, George had just come from a saloon owned by quote-unquote moonshine Mary Wozniak, a Polish immigrant. So, there are a lot of Polish people in Chicago and the Chicago suburbs. I know. This is like a little (laughs) bit of family history here. Um, So, there were a couple waves of Polish immigrants that came to Chicago, the first of which was in the 1830s. Um, They came, they were refugees from the 1830 November uprising and an armed insurgency against Russia and an armed insurgency again. Well, like the Russians were after them, so they left to go to America. Uh, Chicago was very desirable to those from peasant backgrounds. This article that I drew from, I don't think it was like the most PC article. Like it's not hourly offensive, but also I don't know. So I uh, correction from lower socioeconomic backgrounds was generally the crowd that came from from Poland. Um, so serfdom was about serfdom was abolished in Poland in the mid 19th century. So many Polish people were drawn to America because they had the opportunity to make more money. Chicago had many growing industries and had high demand for unskilled labor, which I also don't like that term unskilled labor. Um, I don't know, can we say like entry level positions or like blue collar work? Because I feel like anyone who can get from like one place to another has skills. And especially if you're like on a boat getting from one place to another. Like, I just. Well, does it refer to like formal education? I guess so, but like saying unskilled, like someone who works in like a meat factories unskilled no they're not unskilled they just well i guess my thought is it's not referring to the person so much as the job i suppose for yeah. unskilled labor i i don't know it in the wrong <laughs> way a little bit because i respect all jobs um anyway um, all jobs so matter they they do <laughs> Um, So many Polish people plan to make enough money to um, eventually return home and buy a farm. But many ended up staying in the the new world. Uh, Probably because, you know, if you did that boat ride, you were just like, oh, my God, I have to get back on that boat. I don't want to do it. I get it. Listen, I get it. Um, So they just stayed there. And men typically worked in lumber yards, steel mills, and meat packing houses, and women were able to find work in the garment industry. These jobs were very physically taxing, the pay wasn't amazing, and the workplace was not so great. Example, The Jungle by Upton Sinclair was based on the horrific Chicago meatpacking industry, like pre the FDA regulations where they were just like throwing rats in with like hot dogs and people's fingers and stuff. Um, so that being said, you know, wasn't 
great, wasn't ideal. And life wasn't so great for women either as they did all of the hard work in the garment industry but had little access to high paying jobs. So perhaps this is why Mary decided upon a career serving illegal alcohol. Mary was just 34 years old and was the mother of three. Um, Okay, so the articles that I had, none of them had like a lot of meat on this case. So there's a lot of unknowns. I can only speculate here. I don't know if she was a single mother, if she was married, but supposedly she was the the owner of the saloon. So that's like pretty impressive. Um, Anyway, so like in the Chicagoland area, there was like the big crime families that existed in the prohibition, like you know, like Al Capone and like mobsters and, and all that. And then there were the small operations like Mary Saloon that, um, you know, allowed women to have the flexibility to raise their own children while they were making okay money. I imagine because children like sleep at nighttime, which is when you would be going to bars. So it's like you can do all the housework during the day. You can open your bar up at night while your kids are asleep. Um, Women bootleggers also had advantages over men. There were many states that had laws protecting women from search. So I imagine this came from a sexist place where like, you know, women were uh, not allowed to be like seen by like men, you know, like you had to like cover up and all that jazz. So it's like, I imagine that it would be easy for cops maybe either felt uncomfortable doing searches or like maybe they didn't personally feel uncomfortable but maybe there was the potential for abuse of power in those situations where it's like if any guy was just like take off your top i think you have beers in there you know like so perhaps they were trying to prevent the abuse of power and then this reminds me of in high school um my cousin was texting in class and our french teacher who was a woman like walks up behind her and so she's like texting in her lap like in her in her desk and the teacher walks up behind her and like reaches for her phone and my cousin chucks it between her legs and screams why are you trying to touch my vagina oh my god (laughs) and like the teacher like backs off and is like no i guess you're not texting don't don't exactly Exactly. It was like, I think women then use that to their advantage, you know? So, like, it was indecent for a man to, like, see a woman's ankles or whatever. So, some women would taunt officers and threaten to sue them if they were searched. So, you know, that's a case where sexism, they, you know, they found the silver linings, I guess. Um, Juries were also unlikely to convict a woman who was supporting her family or like if there was a grandma who was a bootlegger. They, again, I think this draws back to our Chicago musical themed episodes where it was like nobody wanted to imagine that women were capable of like committing crimes or to, you know, just like the instinct to like protect women. So anyway, it was unlikely that even if they were caught, that they would receive any type of punishment. Uh, Bootleggers would often hire women just to sit in the car with them while they were bootlegging because police were less likely to pull them over. It was said that no self-respecting prohibition agent would stop a car with a woman in it. I wish that was (laughs) still the case, you know. Um... I got a speeding ticket a couple years ago. I'm still upset about it. Anyway. Maybe don't uh, speed, Rachel. Gosh. I know. It was my fault. When they pulled me over, I was like, I deserve this. But I was secretly hoping that they would be like, because you're not being like a jerk and trying to like, you know. They let you off. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, because I'm being polite, I hope that 
They might just give me a warning. No, they like my not mom, give me a warning. I got pulled over the first time speeding, and the moment the cop walks up, my mom's like, "I told her she was going too fast." I'm like, "Okay, well, there's no negotiating here now, I guess." <laughs> or like my mom. My mom's amazing at getting out of tickets. <laughs> I'm like, I did not inherit that. I just my feel too bad. I'm like, I have to be honest. I've watched my mom flirt her way out of a couple tickets once with my dad in the backseat. It was That's very amazing. fascinating. She's like, don't don't worry, this is just my brother. She's <laughs> like, I am. She's like, I am beautiful, aren't I? Like that's the <laughs> like her way of flirting is acknowledging her beauty, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh my word. I love anyway, it. prohibition agents don't stop women in cars yes. or something. <laughs> so back to the story of. George and Mary. So an autopsy was performed and it was found that George had died of methanol poisoning. So during the American Prohibition, it was reported that moonshine was responsible for over 750 deaths and more than 100,000 cases of blindness or paralysis in New York City alone. So that's just in New York City and not even including like obviously this case that happened in Chicago or any other case. I don't have the data for all the cities or America as a whole. So clearly back then there was a lack of consistency in reporting and probably <laughs> many cases were underreported, I would imagine. Yeah, their um, internet was down so and often. Computers, you know, they were just like writing it down in a notebook and who knows where that all ended up. Um, but so I guess to that being said, we just don't know the extent of the damage. Um, so there is a lot of science describing the process of creating alcohol um, and where there is the potential for methanol contamination. I have a couple sources that are really great that really, you know, get into the meat of the whole chemical processes of making alcohol, but like I really did not do well in chemistry. I don't really understand. (laughs) I, I did my best, okay? But like if you really enjoy that science stuff, I direct you to my sources. But anyway, from my rudimentary understanding, there's only one difference between methanol and ethanol, and that is the number of carbons. So there are two in ethanol and one in methanol. And be like the letter M. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Um, So they taste nearly the same at first and produce the same intoxicating effect. However, once methanol is metabolized by the liver, it's turned into formaldehyde and formic acid. So these chemicals can damage the optic nerve, cause blindness, and eventually result in death. How different is that from like menthol, like in cigarettes? Teach me. Probably different. Um, I mean, if you are consuming something by drinking, and just because their names sound similar, I don't know if they're, you know, even at all close to the same thing. But also, too, there's different chemicals interact differently with your body based on how you ingest them. Facts. Um, Whether it's inhaling it, eating it. Enema. Uh, Fun fact, menthol cigarettes are harder to quit than regular cigarettes because of the cooling sensation from the menthol it makes it easier to inhale more and like there's the potential for more nicotine i, I mean, tried we could get a menthol into a cigarette once it was not fun i nor you was know, a regular cigarette so just don't do it imagine <laughs> well i am a nationally certified tobacco treatment provider which means i have a lot of knowledge about 
menthol cigarettes and the history behind them and how they advertised unfairly to black communities. And Why are you whispering? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a lot to get into, but basically they like advertise their products to black communities and then now with the whole menthol bans that are going into place, it's seen as um, unfairly you know, targeting black communities because that is like what product is more popular. Um, Welcome to America. Yeah, because on the one hand, it's like menthol cigarettes are, have the potential to be more dangerous, but it's unfair if, you know, we targeted communities unfairly for years and years and years. And we're like, hey, use this. And then we're like, just kidding. You can't have that. Um, it's like the crack epidemic CIA. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so I, I don't know anything about the similarities between methanol and menthol, um, but the similarities between uh, methanol, menthol, like in a chemical way, I don't know, but um, the alcohol ban and methanol disproportionately affected poor citizens. Um, they were only able to get alcohol from illicit speakeasies, and the speakeasies had to, like, make alcohol in a bathtub or take industrial alcohol that was not meant for human consumption um, in order to sell it. I will come back to that later, actually. Um, so Prohibition actually itself did not outlaw drinking alcohol. It outlawed the manufacture, sale, and transportation of intoxicating liquors. So when people who were wealthier heard that prohibition was going to be a thing. Um, you know, some people bought a couple bottles of wine just to have. Um, and then when prohibition began, the people who were like wealthy drinkers were able to build like huge wine cellars and they just like bought out entire liquor stores before prohibition went into effect. So they were like well stocked in alcohol and it was legal alcohol. So unless they were selling it to other people, they could you know, legally just drink it in their own homes and not have to risk going to a speakeasy. Well, in regard to alcohol being illegal, um, what are, were there like no Catholics? Because alcohol is a central part of mass. Yes. Are you allowed well, that to? Is the thing. They, was that allowed? They were allowed. And I did not write this actual part, but I think some like, uh, religious entities sometimes like got extra alcohol and kind of like sold it under the table but they were certainly allowed to have it for those purposes um the other of christ so. yes yes uh other workarounds included drug stores who were allowed to sell medicinal whiskey uh to treat you know any condition that you could possibly think of i think it's it's similar to like medicinal marijuana nowadays it's like Oh, you have a headache, insomnia, back pain, toothache, flu, so, anything. So when I had COVID, um, which again, don't recommend, my parents were freaking out, just like couldn't, they were besides themselves, beside themselves, just like thinking the worst was going to happen. Um, but then <laughs> my dad kept sending me like recipes for tea and he would like send like images of like the ingredients. And, like, every single one required Haitian rum. He was like, no, 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 mm. you can't skimp on the rum. Like, you need... That's the most important ingredient is the rum. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. It's like uh, inhaling hydrogen peroxide, you know? Like, alcohol gets rid of the germs, so put it in your system. I get it. 
I get it. Um, yeah, so basically they use whiskey to like treat everything back in the day. It's like, oh, you have a toothache? Let me prescribe you some whiskey. Um, you know, you get, you get nervous sometimes? Whiskey. Um, so I think if you had access to see a doctor and a doctor who was like willing to write these prescriptions, you could essentially, so patients were allowed to purchase a pint of hard liquor every 10 days if they were using alcohol for uh, medicinal purposes. Um, fun fact, legal alcohol sales allowed Walgreens to grow from 20 locations to more than 500 during the prohibition. So if you've ever frequented a Walgreens, you have alcohol to thank for that. Um, talking a little bit i'm getting i'm a little bit all over the place i was really trying to like fill this information uh in this case because like the whole thing could be done in like a paragraph honestly <laughs> anyway so moonshine or rot gut white lightning bathtub gin pop skull panther's breath or corn liquor had lots of names it was quite popular during the prohibition era the term moonshine comes from Britain and referred to any job or activity that was done late at night. And since those making moonshine were trying to avoid getting caught by the authorities, they tended to uh, their illegal whiskey stills in the dead of night, earning them the nickname moonshiners. Mm. I was just thinking, now we call it like moonlighting if you're like working at night, but I guess it used to be moonshine. Um, eventually, the term was exclusively used to describe the alcohol maker and the alcohol itself. You may be asking yourself how moonshine is different from the alcohol you find in stores. Great question. Obviously, the alcohol made in stores comes from facilities where there is regulation and requirements. You know, when you buy a bottle of Jack Daniels, it is going to have the same taste and alcohol content and ingredients used as any other bottle of Jack Daniels you may buy in the store. Moonshine, on the other hand, is made at night, in the <laughs> woods, or in a bathtub. So probably lots of like bugs and stuff in it. <laughs> also, like you just don't have the ability to regulate and keep everything sanitary, which I think s whether it's sanitary is like less of a concern. I don't know. It, it would bother me knowing that there was bugs in it, even if it was safe to consume because it was like processed out. Yeah. I, I just would be bothered. Anyway, the main difference between moonshine and store-bought liquor is the aging process. So when whiskey comes out of the still, it is clear and looks like water. Commercial alcohols have that amber or caramel color because they've been aged in charred oak barrels. So the process contributes to the color and also mellows out the taste of the alcohol. Moonshine has not been mellowed, and that's why it has such like a strong kick. I've never drank moonshine before. It sounds I have, terrifying. I've had moonshine. What What were your thoughts? So in Alabama, it's like illegal to sell alcohol on like Sunday or something. Um, and my cousin-in-law, her birthday fell on a Sunday, her 21st fell on a Sunday. I was not 21, but <gasps> I don't care. <laughs> no, wow. just kidding. Um, so she, like, I guess they didn't think about it ahead of time. Like, oh, maybe we should just go get, like, something and she can, like, Buy have... On Saturday. Have yeah, yeah, like, have it on Sunday or whatever. Um, and so we, like, we're just going around trying to figure out where we could get 
alcohol like is there anywhere that would sell us alcohol um i don't know why we thought that there would be a place but we randomly happened upon this like very sketchy like place i'm not even sure what they actually sold um but go in there ask like do you sell alcohol and he's like i have moonshine i sell moonshine and we're like oh okay um and like he goes into the back like comes out with this like jar and it's like bright red like liquid the liquid is like bright red and it's moonshine and take it back and it was like it tasted like kool-aid like if you make if you make your kool-aid with like a cup of like the powder and a cup of sugar and then like an ounce of water like it was very Mm -hmm. thick (laughs) interesting and very like like yeah kool-aid flavored but then like also very strong like alcohol like one sip of it like your mouth and teeth were red um i like took like the tiniest amount and i'm like yeah i'm good i'm yeah (laughs) but yeah i just i am convinced that a sip of moonshine moonshine probably kill me so um so anyway important distinction to make here between moonshiners those who made the alcohol and bootleggers those who transported the alcohol but so like her name was moonshine mary it was said that she bootlegged and moonshined i don't know if she like legitimately bootlegged other than to you know kind of stock her own saloon versus people who were like transporting like carloads of alcohol across state lines Mm -hmm. or whatever else i don't know if she was even making her own moonshine we don't have that information unfortunately so leave it up to your imagination but anyway uh the name bootleggers comes from the colonial times uh because people transported and hid alcohol in their tall riding boots hence the name bootleggers Fun fact, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, people started driving racing cars at night with their illegal alcohol to avoid getting mixed up with the police. They started tinkering with the cars to increase horsepower in order to outrun the authorities if needed. This fostered a love for cars in the South, which in turn led to the start of the NASCAR racing series. Ever heard of it? No. (laughs) Tell me more. Uh, the first ever winner of a NASCAR race had used the exact same car to make a bootleg run just a week prior. So from the prohibition so far, Walgreens and NASCAR. Fun fact. Fun facts. Lots of fun facts. Um, but anyway, getting back to Mary. So how did Mary end up poisoning an innocent man? Was it really her fault or was it actually the government? <laughs> Oh, so, okay. Twist. Alcohol was still widely available and used for cleaning products and such during the Prohibition times. Um, like, hypothetically, I think nowadays you could technically drink, like, rubbing alcohol. I don't think it's good for you. I don't think I recommend it, but... Or have you... Did you see, like, those news stories back in the day where, like... You know, like, how news stories are like, oh, there's marijuana gummies and kids... Uh, Halloween baskets or like check your children's candy for razor blades you know like Mm -hmm. those kind of like news stories there was like a period of time where news stories were talking about like kids who would drink hand sanitizer and got like drunk from it and like had to be taken to the hospital and they were like don't let your kids drink hand sanitizer so hypothetically so alcohol is in more things than just 
you know, alcohol. Um, so you could buy it in like antifreeze, fuel, aftershave, cleaning products, etc. Um, so methanol can easily be removed during the alcohol production process and is often added back into alcohol used for industrial or scientific purposes to make it unsuitable for consumption. Um, so from what I understand, methanol is not immediately toxic. It's just bad when it's in like higher Large quantities. quantities. Yeah, so I don't think that typically the amount of methanol that's in uh, like rubbing alcohol or whatever. I don't know if they still put it in. Um, but at first, it wasn't enough to, like, kill a person. Um, Everything but, in moderation, y'all. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, just try to avoid methanol if you can. Uh, during the prohibition, the government doubled the amount of methanol required to be present in industrial alcohol to make it more difficult for bootleggers to redistribute it. So, like abstinence-only education or abortion bans, you know, these things do not uh, deter people from doing the activity. They just make it more unsafe to do the activity. Um, so people continued to sell and distribute methanol-tainted alcohol, uh, and it just made it more dangerous for those who consumed the alcohol. Again, like I mentioned earlier, these laws disproportionately affected poor Americans. The wealthy had resources to illegally import alcohol from Europe, and Canada, and the... And now, I don't know if it's Caribbean or Caribbean. I always think Pirates of the Caribbean, but I don't I know if right. I think if you say Caribbean, you're slightly unwell, unless you're saying Pirates of the Car- Caribbean. Otherwise, okay, it is so Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> Sure. Anyway, so people who are rich could just, like, get their alcohol from places that did have those regulations, um, but poor people did not. So, it appears the true culprit in this story is capitalism. But the jury did not see it that way, and Mary was sentenced a year to life in prison. And that is the story of Moonshine Mary. And also the government was the culprit the whole time. Government. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, not technically, but also, well, it's, I feel like it puts you in a, you know, not so good position when you do something that you know is going to harm people mm-hmm. i mean you can like say it's a it's illegal for you to drink this alcohol but if you know that it's likely that it's not actually going to d- deter people from doing it and that people are going to die from doing it i think ethically you're just not in the best place there are you I listening know. texas Yes, Texas. Perfect example. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Prohibition was like a weird time. I think overall the amount of alcohol that was consumed was lowered, but then on the other hand, it like led to all these like mobsters and like a seedy underbelly and like really glamorized, I think, you Uh know, drinking or drinking secretly. So who's to say if Prohibition ended up doing more harm than good? I'm going to say case. it probably did more harm. Um, but all of these cases remind me, remind me of the movie Lawless. Have you seen it? Uh, no. I'm pretty sure it's like Shia LaBeouf t- 
Tom Hardy and Jessica Chastain are in it, oh. and I'm pretty sure they're. Um, and I love Jessica Chastain. Like, what a beautiful woman! I would. Mm-hmm. That's my girl crush. I have many girl crushes, but anyway. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they're like like bootleggers, moonshiners, doing mm-hmm. these like middle of the night runs and stuff. Well, clearly so. they had Jessica Chastain, so they wouldn't get pulled over. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I feel like that might have actually been part of the plot. It's been like nine years since I've seen the movie. I feel like she probably but. put like flasks in her bra. You like, can't look at <laughs> under the skirt. Boobs. Yeah, I would not yeah. be surprised. But if you want to stay on theme with us, go check out Lawless, everyone. Yeah, shameless plug for a movie I'll that I it. wasn't in. It sounds interesting. <laughs> if I can find it on a streaming platform. Yes, yes. You can bootleg it. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, all right. <laughs> All right. Well, great episode. Thanks for sharing that with us, Rachel. Any final thoughts? It was my pleasure. No final thoughts. I'm going to go take a nap. Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases. We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.